0: Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news, along with an inside perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello everyone, I'm Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering Moves to Improve the Nation's Infrastructure. Details on the Senate's passage of the $1.2 trillion package. Plus, Munich Re's Serena Garahan shares ways to encourage policyholders to have effective flood coverage that mitigates risk and builds stronger resiliency. In the news today, the U.S. Senate passed a historic $1.2 trillion bipartisan package this week to shore up the nation's crumbling infrastructure with funding for priorities long championed by NAMIC to help communities protect themselves from natural disasters. NAMIC Senior Vice President of Government Affairs Jimmy Grandy says this legislation is a long overdue investment to ensure that infrastructure and communities are prepared for the worst.
1: Insurers are often among the first to go in after a natural disaster, and we've seen the devastation as our nation has experienced more and more extreme weather. This legislation provides a long overdue investment to ensure our infrastructure and communities are prepared for the worst. For years, NAMIC and the Build Strong Coalition have made the case that Congress should do more to protect Americans before disaster strikes. And the best way to help natural disaster victims is to prevent them from becoming victims in the first place. Mitigation and resilient construction help break the cycle of destruction and rebuilding, reducing the costs of disaster recovery by reducing the impact of the disasters themselves. This legislation continues to demonstrate the evolution of federal disaster policy that is needed to increase the resiliency of our communities all across America.
0: Namic has been working with lawmakers to promote resiliency and loss prevention policies for more than a decade. Namic began with creating the Build Strong Coalition to advocate for more mitigation dollars and the use of modern building codes and helped to open the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety Research Center. These efforts led to passage of the Disaster Recovery Reform Act in 2018 that established the Building Resilient Infrastructure and Communities Program, a federal program designed to provide funds for mitigation projects and building code enforcement. More recently, President Biden announced in May that the BRIC program would award $1 billion in grants in 2021, doubling its prior awards. And earlier this month, The Federal Emergency Management Agency announced a $3.46 billion hazard mitigation grant program for states to undertake risk-reducing mitigation activities. In other news, 15 states will participate in the National Association of Insurance Commissioners' 2020 Climate Risk Survey. This is up nine from the six states that previously required insurers' responses. The Climate Risk Disclosure Survey seeks to gauge how climate change and its various impacts would affect the insurance industry. Participants will answer questions about their investment and risk management policies, their processes to identify, assess, and reduce climate-related risks, Actions taken to encourage policyholder mitigation efforts, as well as information about a company's existing analysis of risk and its organization's climate-related goals, such as reducing emissions. More than 1,200 insurers in the participating states, representing roughly 70 percent of the U.S. insurance market, will complete the surveys due by the end of the month. The California Department of Insurance will compile the data and post all of the individual survey responses on a public website. We've seen a new standard in flood frequency and severity in the U.S. recently, and to address some of those changes and growing concerns, NAMIC and Munich Re have released a joint policy paper titled Closing the Protection Gap for Flood Risk. The paper highlights the need for clients and policyholders to have effective flood coverage That mitigates risk and builds stronger resiliency to severe weather. To learn more about the paper, today's unscripted segment features Namex Neil Aldridge sitting down with Munich Re's Vice President and Inland Flood Product Manager, Serena Garahan.
2: Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast today, Serena. And we're looking forward to discussing the new paper from Munich Re and your work on the flood insurance issue. So to get things started what challenges the communities face after experiencing a flood event?
3: Thanks for having me, Neil. Um, flooding can cause serious disruption to communities and can have long lasting economic impacts. Um, for a majority of uninsured homeowners, that impact can go beyond uh, physical damage. You might see homeowners who are forced to evacuate, um, leave their homes behind, um, Flooding can cause business closures, um, which then results in loss of jobs within a community. Um, Communities that do not have resources in place to respond to those events um, could see lowered property values and uh, diminished tax base, which would make recovery harder. And even though disaster aid um, is available, it often isn't enough to cover that full recovery or to prevent any long term economic losses from business closures.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. There's no doubt that floods can cause a lot of damage beyond just the actual damage from the flood itself. That's good to know. So we know floods can happen, of course, uh, far more often than in many other places and people realize. So what's the hesitancy from consumer's perspective? Can you give any insight into why people aren't purchasing flood insurance at a higher rate?
3: Right, Um, so flood is the most frequently occurring natural disaster in the United States, but as you point out, um, many people still don't purchase flood insurance. Um, Some of those estimates that we see show as little as 5% of U.S. homeowners have flood insurance. Um, And the reason for that, uh, there's a couple reasons for that. Um, A lot of people, I think, misunderstand their risk when it comes to flooding, um, which is also an issue with lack of education. Um, you know, we often hear people are really bad at assessing their own risk. Um, you know, they, they always think this won't happen to me. Um, and I think the mandatory purchase requirements, um, you know, that we see from uh, FEMA has created kind of a mindset that you're either in or out of, um, of harm's way. So you get this idea that if you aren't in a special flood hazard area, that you don't need to buy flood insurance, which we, of course, know isn't the case. Um, people might also not realize that flood just isn't covered in their homeowner policies. Um, they could think that that they do have that coverage um, when in reality they don't. Um, we also see that you know the market may not um, be dynamic enough to respond to the various needs of homeowners um, when it comes to purchasing flood insurance. Um, so I think the more options that we have out there to consumers um, in terms of things like limits that are available. Um, or cost, or types of coverage um, could help to increase that take-up when it comes to flood. Um, and then I think the last thing, you know, and, and it's always on everyone's mind, is, is just the affordability in general. Um, some people just don't purchase flood insurance because it, it's too expensive for them.
2: Yeah, that's certainly a factor, no doubt. And It is interesting when you think about the first policy and its lack of coverage and flood insurance. It gets to the nature of the peril itself. I think most people, typical homeowners, you know, think that it's like a tornado or a hurricane and they're going to have coverage and then they find out they don't. And that's certainly a a troubling exercise for everybody. It's not an insurer's interest, nor is it in the consumer's interest kind of uh, lack of knowledge to be at play in the marketplace. So how can insurers help educate consumers on the need to cover that risk? Sure. You know, I
3: really think that comes down to just doing a lot more outreach, um, and not just to policyholders directly. Uh, there's a lot of people that are involved um, in that sale of flood insurance that can help to educate consumers about their need for flood insurance. Um, so, you know, we might be missing opportunities um, to talk about flood insurance um, with with potential policyholders. Um, but that's time, you know, I think is is to talk about flood insurance is when you're purchasing a home. Um, So insurers should be looking to educate and partner with real estate agents um, to help promote the need for flood insurance, you know, at the time of um, home purchase. And then I think we also need to get a little bit more personal. Um, Don't just talk about flood risk in general. Um, We need to communicate to individuals uh, what what their individual risk is. Um, The good news here is that there are, you know, tools available that can provide that information um, that, you know, can tell homeowners what is the likelihood of a flood at my home.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's an excellent point and something that many people probably don't think about. Your your larger point is a good one, which is, you know, we talk about this in this this apparel and not necessarily how it might specifically impact a neighborhood or somebody's house, uh, and that that would be much more effective, and certainly something insurers could help could help play a role in for certain. So let's talk about yeah. the role of mitigation in all of this. There's certainly, from the insurance industry's perspective, at NAMIC here, this is something we've been we've made a priority for years in terms of trying to get new mitigation measures enacted at the both the state and federal level, and there are some new programs. There's some new money available from FEMA around mitigation, uh, but there's a lot more to go. So what, what, what is the role of mitigation in closing the protection gap? And then also kind of a follow-up to that, you know, what are some ways that insurers can, insure, can encourage homeowners to implement some of those mitigation efforts? We know how to help mitigate the flood risk, but actually getting it done is another matter.
3: Sure. some you know, mitigation can, you know, greatly enhance the community's ability to withstand flooding. Um, you know, you often see that it's the idea of, you know, do you, do you spend the money before, or do you spend it after, and and what's that return on um, investment if you if you spend that money upfront to address some of those, um, you know, things that can be taken care of. Um, you know, for homeowners, that means, you know, making some choices to build your homes more resiliently. Um, and also getting consideration as to, you know, where we're living, um, you know, increases in building along the coast have placed a lot more people in harm's way. Um, but location isn't the only factor, of course, uh, construction methods and, and materials also make a big difference in the ability of a structure to withstand, uh, flooding. And, you know, there, these don't have to be expensive solutions for homeowners either. Um, There are simple actions that homeowners can take, um, you know, in advance of a flood that that can make a difference. So, things like clearing gutters or sealing or waterproofing their homes to prevent water from coming in, use of um, sandbags. There's a lot of options um, that homeowners have that that they can do to protect themselves. Um, And lastly, I think mitigation doesn't just fall to the homeowners. Um, You know, urban development and land use policies have also led to an increased risk of flooding. Um, So, you know, from that side of things, I think we need to look at updating building codes and changing zoning laws um, to make sure that climate risk is is being taken into consideration um, when properties are being built. Um, And then for your follow up, you know, as far as what can insurers do to encourage homeowners to implement these things? You know, I, you know, I think, um, you know, money is always a great motivator. Um, so you know maybe things like um, you know uh, policy credits things like that, um, you know for people who are taking steps to reduce their risk.
2: Yeah, I think that the watchword there is is be creative from an insurer perspective about how you approach it, but also uh, the land use question is is a really interesting one. I know there's a lot of discussion in different parts of the country. We seem a little unwilling as a country to have the debate around, whether or not we should be building in certain areas of the country. I think for many cases, we have sort of seeded that debate to the idea that we're just going to build where we want to. But if we're going to do that, then we ought to make sure that we're building structures that are going to be there after the water recedes or after the wind stops blowing. And that's where the mitigation efforts can really play a role. So let's talk a little bit about the actual marketplace itself. Uh, There's obviously the National Flood Insurance Program. It's been around since the late 60s has had lots of twists and turns through its lifetime but it does play a role and it will continue to be an important source of flood insurance for consumers. Uh, but it may not be the only source anymore. Right? There was a time when it when it was the only source, but the private market is thinking through this uh, a little bit differently now. And so how can individuals and the industry and even policymakers work together to further safeguard the communities against the flood risk?
3: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, You know, private insurers are really well-suited to develop, you know, new innovative products to, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, consumers need more options here. It's not a one-size-fits-all solution that's going to solve this problem. Um, So, you know, the more that uh, private insurers are going out there and and coming up with, um, you know, new policies and new types of coverage, um, I think that you know the better able uh, will be better able to respond um, to flood risk. Um, and so, when we talk about developing these new products, um, you know, one of the things that always comes into play is um, how regulation uh, can impact that. So, policymakers can have a, a big impact on affecting change and encouraging competition um, by removing barriers uh, for entry for product innovation. Um, so you know, with any new product, we need, you know, we need some flexibility in the insurance forms um, to develop those products to align better with those needs. Um, and streamlined filings uh, can help to accelerate that availability to the policyholders. Um, you know, one of the things that has helped out here is the um, 2019 final rule to the Bigger Waters Act, um, which allows private lenders to accept uh, certain flood policies um, from private insurers in lieu of an NFIP policy. Um, And then lastly, I think, you know, overall just transparency about flood risk, um, you know, will will help everybody out um, through disclosure to homeowners, making it easier to get information as to um, whether a home has experienced flooding in the past. Um, The NFIP is, you know, the largest resource of um, flood claim data. They've been doing this for, you know, a long time. Um, and that information can help insurers to offer better pricing um, on, you know, on these new products that are coming out.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And, and that's, that, that transparency about prior loss is a, an important issue and, and one that is really key to the market being able to respond to this risk in any kind of rational way beyond, you know, the workings of the federal government and the NFIP specifically. So as we look forward to this, this is an important issue for NAMIC and NAMIC members. And, and Serena, I know you and I think two of your colleagues are, at Munich Re are going to host a webinar for NAMIC members on October the 5th. So why don't you just give us a little uh, tease of that webinar and information that attendees can expect there.
3: Sure. Yeah, we're looking forward um, you know, to sharing some additional thoughts on the recent increases in both the frequency and severity of flooding in the United States. Um, And just overall, the role that flood coverage can play in mitigating that risk um, and how we move forward as an industry.
2: Great. Well, we look forward to it. And thanks for joining us again today. Great. Thank you for having me.
0: And finally, it seems hard to believe, but we're just a little more than a month away from NAMIC's 126th annual convention. And this year, there are several ways you can attend. You can always join us in person from September 19th through the 22nd in Music City, that's Nashville, Tennessee, or you can also join us online as a virtual attendee. Now, if you haven't already done so, I encourage you to head to Namek.org to check out the newly released Agenda, which includes the latest on the keynote speakers who've just been announced, and also to make sure you register for the event. And that's a wrap for us this week on Insurance Uncovered. We'll be back again on August 24th with more insurance news and interviews. Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day.